And then I'll do just like a three, two, one, and I'll intro myself and I'll be like, man, we got, we got the man, Mr. Gibson on, you know, and, uh, and off we go. Three, two, one. All right. We're going to do a little conversation with the notorious Jerry and Gibson. And, and I'm going to let you introduce yourself, but I just got to say, you know, I've been around the community for years. You and I have just kept bumping into each other for probably almost a decade now, you know, I mean, from you've been at customers, you've went to the client vendor side, you know, you've been all year at Nutanix now, but what do you, you know, just for those who don't know you or don't know where you're at right now, give a little intro real quick. Yeah. So first, thanks for having me, Ron. It's always good to talk with you. Um, So Jarring Gibson here. Um, I am Kansas City based. Um, Been here for about 15 years now. Um, In in those 15 years, I've kind of gone from, like Ron was saying, from customer to partner to independent and now at the vendor side. So I'm currently at Nutanix. I work on the EUC engineering team. Um, A lot of the focus I focus on is primarily Citrix on Nutanix. And then within that, on-prem, uh, public cloud, multi-cloud, hybrid cloud is, is the big one we're, we're dealing with. And then also some of our DR stuff with that as well. Um, and then also with files for like profiles and, and that sort of thing too as well. So I kind of cover that whole scope there of EUC. Um, and we have a great team. There's uh, five of us now on the team. So we've grown. Um, and so we've gotten uh, two new rock stars on our team that are actually helping extend that out with more automation, security, um, and helping with the hybrid cloud stuff too as well. So... Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, Nutanix just historically, since they came out of the gate, has had a a gigantic foothold on the EUC side, you know, Um, when they originally were released, uh, while it takes uh, other groups within organizations often time to, well, let me see how other people use it, they want to go slow, EUC is always looking for that next tech to help. And they jumped in with both feet for Nutanix. You yep. know, they were like, wait a minute, I don't I don't have to buy a storage array. That's how it started. I don't have to buy a storage array. Um, so you've got a you guys have got a bunch of background on this. And and you said something else. You hit the hybrid part, which is, you know, everyone rushed during COVID, load up, shove it into Azure, shove it into Amazon, build more data center space. And then of course, at, after the emergency was over, hey, let's let's look at where we're spending our money. And now we're seeing a lot of hybrid and what I wanted to do in, in this one was say, you know, what's kind of top of mind for you? What are you seeing? And because what you're seeing right now is probably what a bunch of customers are dealing with. Yeah. So the biggest thing right now is like, like you said, ex- exactly during the, the pandemic, everyone went to that cloud, that cloud journey. And, you know, we had problems with getting kits in customers' hands, you know, being able to rapidly expand that on-prem footprint. So we looked at cloud and saw cloud as an option and a lot of people went straight for it. And now some are kind of pulling back. Some didn't complete that journey. They had, you know, that time to value issue where it took a lot longer and a lot more spin than they were anticipating. So now they're kind of pulling that back and seeing what can I, how can I live in a hybrid cloud world um, and still provide the best experience for my users, but also to understand what the costs are going to be and how can I be cost efficient as, as well. So that, that's the biggest thing. That's probably the biggest story I'm working on right now is especially with EUC customers is, you know, a lot of them are looking at, do I want to stay in the data center business, right? Whether that is, you know, do I just want to get rid of production completely data center and go all into the cloud? Or do I want to look at cloud as a solution for DR, which DR is probably the biggest one I'm coming across lately is they don't want to have gear just sitting there in a colo or their own data center somewhere else, you know, the power, the cooling, you know, the internet, all that kind of stuff. They want to use cloud for that and have a small footprint in the cloud 
to use it as like a replication target. And, you know, we call it like a pilot light cluster. And then once they go into DR mode, expand that out to, to meet that use case. So DR has been the biggest one in collapsing DR. Uh, the next one has been the bursting use case, right? We mentioned the pandemic, people went all in. Um, that bursting use case, whether it's gonna be seasonal, um, whether it's some kind of emergency um, type of thing, um, whether they're bringing more people on for some kind of uh, event or, or so forth, or even you know swapping out hardware and they might not have the capacity on-prem to do any kind of yeah. swap out or upgrade of that kind of stuff, they're using cloud for that temporary use case for that. It makes sense, you know, and I, I was just, uh, we were talking before we started recording, I was just talking to some of the Epic Systems guys, the healthcare side, and even what they're seeing is, you know, for DR for a long time, Epic and some of the other vendors would say have hot, cold. Yep. They would actually build two data centers that were uh, essentially identical or, or maybe a little less on the DR side. And you had all this capacity sitting there. And so now even when in on-prem data centers, they're they're like, no, we're going hot, hot, and we're distributing our capacity evenly across the two, 50-50, yep. or maybe they're, maybe they're both at 60%. And if you fail over, you get a little degraded performance. But the cloud thing means you don't have to build the second data center if you use it for DR, right? You have this really small footprint. And so that makes sense. Um, you know, when, you, when we talk about EUC in general, the hybrid thing is huge. And, you know, Citrix has, as they've had their, their cloud platform pretty much set up for a couple of years now, right? They had their bumps in the beginning and then they've kind of straightened it out and their cloud connectors are working better now. And now VMware is just introducing their Titan model, their Horizon Next Gen, which, you know, all honesty, I was kind of part of the VMware group as that was getting designed. Um, but it is meant for that hybrid world, yep. right? It is meant for that. It's meant for your customers, right? Let's face it, right? It, it's meant for people who want to run it the way you were just describing. Is there any particular like, uh, you know, stumbling block that you're seeing across the board, right? I mean, we can all say, you know, healthcare, they have login time. They're always focused on that. You know, there's things specific to different verticals, but is there kind of a common thing that all, you know, anyone listening that's in the UC might go, ooh, I'm, I'll probably run into that. Um, the biggest things that I'm seeing right now is time to value, you know, making sure how am I going to get from my starting point to my production rollout. And a lot of clocks I'm having with customers is they're, they're getting that starting point, but as they start scaling, they're seeing challenges, whether it's performance, whether it's automation, whether it's just, you know, getting those workloads from whether it's, it's VMware or Nutanix or even yeah. Zen server into Azure, you know, changing platforms, that kind of stuff. So that migration footpoints, you know, is a, is a big one. Um, the other it's one, a significant change, right? Yeah, Especially yeah. if they're changing the management plane. Because yeah. skill sets, you know, interfaces, administration tools, that kind of stuff. Um, and then the other one um, is going to be, you know, right-sizing the workloads, right? So the one thing when you go native public cloud is you get t-shirt sizes. And if one t-shirt's too small, well, you have the option to go to the next t-shirt size, but that may meet, meet your needs, but it may be a little big. And now you're having um, pain for capacity you're not using because maybe you need three virtual CPU and six gig of RAM. Well, your option is two by four or four by eight, for example. Yep. So you're paying for that extra vCPU and that two gig of RAM, for example, and that t-shirt size. And then you have that cloud wasted spin. So right sizing is a huge one. Yeah, and there's so much different change in there. Like Citrix just came out with that paper, I think they did with Microsoft and AMD, where they were doing some yep. performance comparisons of uh, six different virtual machine types, right? And they found that, you know, the cheapest machine gave almost the worst performance, right? But they found 
the second most cheapest with, I mean, pennies almost doubled that performance and was just a little bit better than all these very expensive machines. Some of them with GPUs and whatnot, but there was an interest. Everybody focuses on that machine type. But one of the things I found interesting was they were comparing server OS to multi-win win 10 and win 11. I forget which one yep. it is. And there was like a 20 or 30% drop off. Mm -hmm. So people are talking about, well, I get, you know, let's just say they were running RDSH and they were running a bunch of little ones at three or four users per CPU. If you get a 30% hit, go into Windows 10, let's say, or Windows 11 multi-user, that 30%, now I'm tripling my machine, or I'm adding 30% out of my machine count, yeah. right? Another third, yeah. So you got to navigate the control plane, the operating systems, and like you said, the, the, the sizing and performance, which is what, you know, they can't fix the, I have to learn a new skill set. They just do. They have to learn Azure or whatever platform they are. But what they can do is say, wait a minute, I can get data about, my change in machine type, my change in operating system, stuff like that. That's really interesting. Yeah, it's a it's a common problem now. Um, I have a solution. I like solutions. Yeah. yeah, give me that solution. Yeah. So shameless plug here. So we have a product called Nutanix Cloud Clusters, uh, or NC2 for short, you hear it called. And that's basically taking our same hypervisor AHV and putting that on bare metal nodes in the cloud. So instead of just getting a machine slice, Good. you're getting the whole bare metal node and you can yeah. size those VMs however you want to. So I got three by six on prem. I can put three by six in Azure. You can make an identical US. configuration. Yep, it's the exact okay. same. And, and are there same built-in tools, whether if you had two different um, your, of your own data centers and you cut off one and put one in the cloud, guess what? Same interface, same, same, um, all the tools you're used to. You can replicate easy back and forth. So that okay. time to value, uh, the administration thing we talked about, and then yeah, yeah. the workload putability is easier. The main thing you're learning is, the networking underneath that kind of stuff and and so forth but as far as once you get the cluster up and running it's all the exact same so so that's interesting with with putting nutanix on bare metal right hv on bare metal there which you've seen vmware do some of that with some of their solutions and whatnot uh is the uh i would assume at that point the provider is managing the hardware and probably the the patching of the ahv level and down and then you're just dealing with the <laughs> vm management above it um, so partially, you're correct there. So the hardware, the underlying networking, all the stuff in the data center side, they're doing. But as far as like the patching, like yeah. for example, when you have AHV on-prem, you have our, you know, our great tool lifecycle manager, which goes through and does all the updates for you, the reboot order, all that kind of stuff. You can still do that in the cloud. So yeah. you're still managing it like it's AHV. You're still yeah. doing the updates. You're doing all the configuration, but the underlying hardware is what the the cloud vendor they're handling yep. and I, I, I you know i would just assume and i don't know but i would just assume ahv is getting more attention now because even in the last eight weeks i've been here at, at login uh i have talked to customers that were vmware customers with citrix on top of it a lot of that out there who are talking about we're reinvestigating zen server mm -hmm. we're reinvestigating and they're they've done two things one the turmoil that citrix went through and they're kind of coming out of now is the same turmoil that VMware and specifically EUC at VMware is about to go through, but VMware as a whole. And one of the CTOs said something really interesting to me. He goes, if I have to contemplate a move to the cloud anyway, which we are constantly doing, which means it's a different hypervisor that we don't know, it's a different skill like you mentioned, why would I not look at different hypervisors? Exactly. And I went, okay, you're right. It's no longer VMware is so far above and people are looking at speeds and feeds. Now it's got to where all the hypervisors are all good enough. 
Yes, you might have external processes and all this automation around vSphere, but if you're going to go to the cloud anyway, and you're going to have to redo a lot of that, why not look at other hypervisors? Yeah. So I, I'm assuming you're seeing a lot of interest because of yeah. that. And we said too, and we've already seen that with customers where they could be Nutanix customers today, they're running ESXi on Nutanix, and now they're looking at switching to AHV. Yeah. Um, and so- There was a too, lot of ESXi on Nutanix platforms. Yeah, yeah. And we have a good chunk of Horizon customers too on Nutanix also. So yeah. we have those conversations about whether it's, it's hypervisor, whether it's broker or both. And the nice thing too, is that whether you're on Nutanix, you know, if you're on Nutanix, it's easy. We have cross hypervisor stuff built in to get you from ESXi to AHV on, on the yeah. fly, driver injection, that kind of stuff. If you're not on Nutanix and you're on vSphere or Hyper-V or any other hypervisor, we have a tool called Move. And that actually basically takes in through jobs, migrates you automatically to AHV. So we can get you there. Yeah. Um, and if you want and to I can see how it works. Yeah. I've heard people go, well, those tools don't work. I'm like, dude, 15 years ago, we were doing P2V migrations with automated <laughs> tools. You're just injecting drivers, exactly. right? We know how to do that. Yeah. We know how to do that these days. Well, this, this is really cool because I think that a lot of folks in EUC are, are talking about these things. And, um, you know, your, your, your look at it, especially with what you're seeing is, is fairly interesting. I didn't know you guys had those migration tools, mm -hmm. right? Uh, but I think that folks should think about uh, that concept that if you're looking at the cloud, you're, look, you're changing hypervisors already. You might as well look around at all of them. Yeah, exactly. Especially if you're keeping a footprint on-prem and you're looking at AWS, Azure, GCP, whatever, you know, think about how can I get there easier if I'm doing a switch on-prem anyways, what can yeah. help me get there easier going forward, so. Yeah, no, it makes sense. And, you know, it's not the days, it's not 2010 when we were doing speeds and feeds comparisons, like <laughs> what's the disk IO and disk throughput of Zen server versus ESX, right? Or, oh, it's not Bry Forum with Benny and, uh, you know, Benny and, and um, Ruben. And I, Ruben and the guys up there doing protocol comparisons. Yep. And all the protocols will get you there, 95%, right? It, it is what it is, but... Dude, this has been this has been great. I wanted to catch up. I wanted to just get your thoughts and say, hey, what are you seeing and all that? And it, it makes a lot of sense. And I know that we're almost at, at the top of the hour, but I appreciate any last words for the EUC folks out there. Any place you're going to be that you're speaking that maybe or a, a webinar you got going that you want to touch on? Yeah, so the next place I'll probably be is... Uh, we have our XL event. Uh, so CGC, oh. XL, yeah. uh, and, uh, the Great Plains will be in Omaha in October. Uh, oh, nice. So Kansas City, Omaha combined event that we kind of go back and forth between Kansas City and Omaha. Yeah, I've been to one of those. They're yeah. big, good events. Yeah. I think you came here and we had it at uh, Arrowhead, wasn't yes. it? Yes. Yeah. 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 And we're going to, I'm, I'm going to try to make this one too, because I want to make sure that we get into this one too. Yeah. yeah we're going to be at the um, the stadium in Omaha where they had the College World Series for this one. Sweet. So That's sweet. Well, football season's coming, so couple of weeks we could send snarky emails back and forth you know you at least have a winning team i have the bears and we think every year is the year so hey at least i at least i don't root for detroit it's a new day in washington too new ownership yeah. you know things are changing it's you know it, it's a new day so that's the exciting thing right now and you can even feel it's as they're going yeah. as they're going through camp in preseason so yeah yeah it'll be fun it'll be fun yeah. Dude, I appreciate the time. Uh, as always, it's great talking to you. I want to hook yeah. up with you again. Maybe, you know, maybe what what would really be interesting would be to hook up just because I didn't know you had all these tools. You guys, had, maybe I'd hook it up and we could just do a little drawing and all right, here's how the tools work yeah. or something for customers. But appreciate your time, man. Yeah, no problem. It's always great chatting with you. Yeah, thanks. All right.
and we're out. <laughs> See, nice and easy. You yeah. know, dude, I could talk to you for like a fucking hour <laughs> on that shit, man. It's so cool.